Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and I've been the Bible teacher at this radio ministry for over 20 years. We rejoice to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Mission Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministries, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. We're considering today Abraham's faith as an example of all faith that takes hold of God's salvation. Abraham's faith was a faith that started not with what was promised, but with the one who promised it, the promiser. And we're told by Paul in Romans 4, verses 17 through 25, that Abraham believed God was a God who raised the dead and gave existence out of what was unexisting. Now, how did Abraham come to believe this about his God? I am relatively certain that both Job and Abraham knew the account of creation. How God had taken earth and formed this inert mass of dirt and out of it called forth and brought forth a man. And how God had then taken one half of the man, you might say, or out of the man had brought forth and called forth the woman in the midst of his slumber. And maybe that is the point and the understanding that began to give them this conviction and this understanding that God brought life out of death. But I think it's something more than that. I think that we could begin to unravel this and understand this better if we understood and appreciated what the Bible means in Ecclesiastes 3.11. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, the Bible says that God has placed in man's heart eternity. In other words, there is this echo for eternity that demands a response that resonates out from the heart of man and it's an echo for eternity, a longing for the everlasting, and it's a longing that is largely not reinforced by the nature that surrounds us. In the world in which we live, what we see is decay and death. And as we age and go through our lives, at some point in time, the tides turn on us. You know, when we were young, we couldn't wait to grow up. And then all of a sudden, we grew up, and then the next thing we found out, we're growing old. And then it starts advancing more and more rapidly and we start realizing that we're being ushered away and brought to a time of our own demise and all of us have before us, are facing before us, this physical death. As death surrounded them, as death surrounds us, our souls rebel against it. It's as though we're locked in a temporal world where time is seemingly running out and we pace back and forth before the bars of time constantly looking into eternity, knowing that we were born with souls big enough for the unending and yet not released into the unending. We know that instinctively we exist for something more than the decay we see around us and the decay we see in our own bodies. A more that God who has made us, we reason must be powerful enough to bring us into. And also we see our weakening bodies that are wearing away and fading away at the gnawing of time itself. And we must ask ourselves, if my body breaks down in time, how will my body hold up in the eternity that my soul longs for? If my body can't stand before and wears away before the sun that beams over the earth, how will my body not stand before the sun and the brilliance of an everlasting eternal God? And at the same time, I know I'm called for these things. I know somewhere within me, there's resonating within me a yearning and desire for eternal life, eternity. I think to a large extent, the sins that man commit, 
And the fallenness of man is the pacing of man raging against the temporal nature of being, longing for the eternal. He doesn't find it in things he pursues as he paces back and forth. But he's stretching out and he's reaching his hand in vain attempts to lay hold of eternity. I think Abraham and Job began to see in the midst of their suffering and their sorrows and their weakness and their difficulties, they became believed that this longing was to be answered and fulfilled in God himself. A God who power to raise them up out of death had the power to give to their bodies and infuse their bodies with the enduring power to enjoy and embrace the eternity that they longed for, that they were made for. So, Abraham, like Job, believed and was convinced in the regenerative power of God to bring life out of death. Now, here's the next thing it says Abraham believed. He believed God was a God of decreeing and creative power, one who constructs the future out of his own plans, nothing by accident, everything by his decree. The Bible tells us that when God began to create the world, that the first thing he did was that he spoke into the darkness, and out of the darkness he called forth light. Now listen, there is no light in darkness. Darkness is incapable of producing light. Everything was dark and God spoke, and out of the darkness God brought forth light by his own decree. And this is something of the power, the creative power that Abraham is placing his faith in. Abraham knows that he is a man who exists because of God's own decree and God's own calling forth. We, by the way, can draw plans. We can make and plan the architecture of some building we want to build. In fact, if you were to go back into your grandfather's house or your parents' house, or maybe you even have them in your own house, a blueprint for something that you thought you might build one day, and it's just a blueprint. If you come into my office at my house, you'll find a blueprint for how we were going to change this church building to accommodate a lot more people. And then, well, certain things happened. The leaders of the city decided that this was a historical district and that this was a historical building. And as such, we couldn't lay our hands or touch any part of it. We had to leave it as it was. And, well, that kind of changes the, the plans that you had laid out. And if I would go into my parents' house, I think up above in a closet somewhere, I can find the blueprint of a home that they were going to build when they moved from Washington, Boise, Idaho. And the blueprint is there. And it was a wonderful house. Periodically, I remember looking at it and thinking, how wonderful it's going to be to live in that house. And I never got to live in it. Never got built. We can make our plans. We can put aside our provisions. We can begin to excavate and think about it. Some men have even begun to build their houses and build their stadiums or build their great cathedrals. Another interesting thing is to travel around the world and find out that in most places around the world, you'll discover these massive derelict buildings that people began to build and then they ran out of money or they weren't able to finish it and it's just sitting there. It's not completed. Well, here's God. A God who, in his mind, knows all of the potential products which he could assemble and put together a universe and a world and this world. A God who knows all the different ways and different factors that he might gather together and all the different possibilities and potentiality of what he might bring into existence. And then God, in his infinite wisdom, chooses or calls forth one world in one way, a sequestering and gathering together out of all the mass unlimited potentiality that exists in his mind alone to create that one thing and bring it into existence. So we're here. So you're here. And so Abraham was there before God, before the stars. God knew that he came from the infinite mind of God. 
And Abraham learns before God that when God chooses to create something, he can bring that something into being and he can declare it as though it had arrived even before it arrives because God stands out of time. So God can look at something that he knows he's going to make and knows he's going to decree and he can speak as if it exists. When before us, it, we don't see it. It doesn't come about. Again, that's exactly what this phrase says. It says he calls those things that do not exist as though they did. William Newell informs us that the Greek literally means here he calls things not being, being. That thing is. That thing is. God makes alive the dead ones, and God calls the non-existent things into existence according to his own will. And so here's Abraham. He's 100 years old. He's childless. He has a barren wife, and God calls him the father of many nations. God doesn't say, you will be the father of many nations. He says, I make you, or I will make you the fathers of many nations. He says, I make you the father of many nations. We'll see later on that Abraham so believes God in this truth, so believes that God will fulfill his promise, that God changes his name, which means Abram was before that exalted father. God changes his name to father of many nations, Abraham. Can you imagine that? Here's a guy living in his tents. He doesn't have any children. He's got an old man with an old wife. He's not living in the cities that have been built around him. As everybody comes to meet him, they say, Well, Abram, how are you doing? Exalted father, how are you doing? He says, oh, don't call me exalted father anymore. God's given me an indication what he's going to do. Call me the father of a multitude of nations. And he went by the name the father of a multitude of nations because he believed that God could call into existence or declare that things exist that he couldn't see, that he hadn't met yet. He had that kind of confidence in God. He knew that God had this kind of power, that God spoke things that were far off into existence, and the force of his word and his decree could not be denied. That's God. That's the God I believe in. A God who brings life out of death and makes the dead to live again, and a God who takes things that don't exist and have never been brought into existence and speaks them into existence decrees it before we can even see it, and so it's so. Next thing I want you to see here is consider what Abraham believed God for. Now, that's what he believed in God. That was the ground of his faith. That's the promiser that he puts his faith in. But now see the promise that he lays hold of. See that it's a promise that goes beyond anything he might hope for. Romans 4.18 Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. See that so shall your descendants be? There's the focus of what it was he believed God for. That brings us back to that moment in time in which God took Abraham outside of his tent and told him to look up into the stars. And God said, see all that galaxy of stars above you, innumerable stars above you. So shall your descendants be. Now I'm going to, from you, bring forth a galaxy galaxy of nations that are going to rise from you. Now that's rather incredible to believe. That's a pretty broad and wide and expansive faith to be believed. Let's just consider this for a moment. Let's consider what God is promising to Abraham, which is being made to known to us. And we've seen a part of this so far in our passages that we've considered in weeks past. First, God was promising to Abraham that a nation would rise from him, the nation of Israel. And that it was a nation through which he would pour out a blessing, and from that nation he would pour a blessing upon all the nations of the earth. And so Abraham believed that God would, from his life, produce physical descendants that would become a great, vast nation of people. 
And he believed God for that. Now that's quite amazing, given where Abraham was at that given time. But also, what we've told and what Paul reveals to us is not only did Abraham see in that moment as he looked out upon the stars, so shall your children be, not only these physical descendants, but he also saw the rising up of a multitude of nations that would rise up from his faith. A nation of believing individuals who would come under the same blessing. A physical descendants that would be a blessing to all the earth, and then spiritual descendants that would inherit or receive as those physical descendants, God's unique, wonderful covenant blessings. And so he saw nations rising from him, from his own faith and his own belief, a wave of nation upon nation upon nation, a vast constellation of people rising up to give glory and praise to God. And who knows, maybe he saw that moment before the throne when the Bible says that those from every tongue and every tribe and every nation will gather in worship of God. Abraham saw that. But there's something else he saw as well in that moment. Something else that God gave to Abraham and Abraham believed God for at that moment. Paul points it out to us. That when God was making this promise to Abraham, that God gave Abraham a sight, not only of the physical descendants or nations that would rise from him, and then the spiritual descendants of nations of faith that would receive blessing along with them, but then God gave him a vision of the one through which all those blessings would be channeled and realized and accomplished. May you never lose your regard for Christ and the primary importance of your individual delight in His fellowship. And may you share that delight with others. If you want to learn more about the ministries behind the Bread of Life radio program, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.